Hello, and welcome to Daring Carefully, a mini-podcast series on sustainable travel. Today's episode will be on tourism. I'm joining you today from the Republic of Malta. For those who aren't familiar, Malta is a small island nation just south of Sicily. It's a beautiful country with a unique heritage. It's had a variety of cultural influences, ranging from the Roman Empire, the Ottoman Empire, and most recently, the British Empire. Malta became an independent nation in 1965 and joined the European Union in 2004. So Maltese and English are the national languages, and tourism is actually its largest industry. Malta happens to be the country most reliant on tourism in Europe, and as of March 2018, tourism accounts for about 14.2% of its GDP. But not all tourism is created equal. So diving into this topic, it helps if you dissect the different types of tourism. One of the most popular and familiar types of tourism is cultural tourism. This includes visiting a place for its art, history, urban areas, and associated institutions like museums and festivals. Without realizing it, many people in the U.S. choose to travel internationally for this reason. Their motivation for traveling is to experience another culture. In Malta, I'm a cultural tourist. For that reason, my favorite purchase so far has been the Malta Heritage Passport. This passport is like a ticket that allows access to 23 heritage sites across Malta for one month. So religious tourism is another popular form. Pilgrimages and mission trips account for the bulk form of this travel. Mecca, Jerusalem, and Rome are popular destinations. Though not explicitly a common destination for religious tourism, Malta has a significant number of Catholic churches. Depending on the source, you'll hear that Malta has anywhere from 359 to 365 Catholic churches on its islands. With only 320 square kilometers, about 124 square miles, that's more than one church every square kilometer. There are some more unusual types of tourism. There's sex tourism, where people travel for the purposes of engaging in sexual activity. Generally, these places have legalized prostitution. There's also medical tourism, where people travel for lower-cost medical treatment. The most popular services are surgical procedures or fertility treatments. Many countries rely heavily on the tourism industry, but there are some complexities associated with it that may impact your travel. Ecotourism, for example, emphasizes the impact of travel on the place you're going. The definition I like the most is, quote, tourism directed towards exotic natural environments intended to support conservation efforts and observe wildlife. So ecotourism has become increasingly popular. Costa Rica is one place where ecotourism dominates. It really flourishes not only because of the amazing biodiversity, but it really has an awareness for the prominence of its environment on the industry. So in particular, it has some of the most strict wildlife conservation laws in the world. This is important because ecotourism relies on the natural beauty of a place. So the increased traffic can really harm sites that people travel so far to see. Yellowstone's Morning Glory Pool is a perfect example of poorly executed ecotourism. Since the 1960s, the pool has changed color from an associated change in the microorganisms that live there. 
So the reason for the change is trash tossed in the pool by tourists. It's allowed the photosynthesizers to take over. The once deep turquoise pool is now orange and green. This is just one one of the many increasingly common cases of toxic tourism. The best way to avoid strain on these sites is to take only pictures, leave only footprints. This includes staying on the marked trails and carrying out any waste. Visiting places is certainly exciting and enriching, but the key to travel is being a responsible traveler. Certain types of tourism usually cause more harm than good. Voluntourism, or volunteer tourism, has become increasingly popular among people from Western nations. The industry is worth about $2.6 billion annually. The economics of this industry, however, are a nightmare. You see, the majority of the projects rely on unskilled labor, like digging wells. Even projects like building a school are usually broken down into simpler tasks, so even Jim from Wells Fargo can do it. The issue with people offering their labor is that a project like this would normally employ local people. Instead, people are paying an organization for the chance to do free labor, and the community in which they're operating often never see a penny from that project. This perpetuates the cycle of poverty and aid dependence, rather than helping communities break free from it. These places would benefit more if the money were donated outright, rather than having it wasted as a travel experience. And this, of course, is before you consider the social impact. Oftentimes, local people and culture are viewed as a curiosity, with no attention paid to the people themselves. This leads to an objectification of people, often children, of impoverished areas. It feeds the white savior complex, and it validates the toxic perception of Western superiority. It is exploitative. These are people's lives, not excuses to make yourself feel good. So... How do you avoid participating in toxic tourism? Research, research, research. So some key areas for your research should be to, first and foremost, figure out when an area's peak season is. Try and schedule your trip when the volume of tourists is lower, even if only slightly. Know a few words in the local language. I mean, it's just polite. Know how to dress. When in doubt, dress more conservatively. You don't want to be rude. No basic cultural do's and don'ts. So some guideposts. The side of the street people drive on, appropriate conversational volume, and if or when it's appropriate to tip. Avoid corporations. So this includes major tour companies and restaurants. For tour companies, a good rule of thumb is to avoid anywhere that lets you pay for the experience in a non-local currency. That usually denotes it's not locally based, and the money will likely not return to the place you're visiting. For restaurants, avoid chains. Avoid places you know. Not every place you visit needs to be a tiny mom-and-pop shop, but don't eat at McDonald's. Just don't. Avoid cheap and cheesy souvenirs. Even if it's a locally owned shop, chances are that most inexpensive knickknacks are imported. Support local artists and craftsmen instead. All of these are long-winded ways to say, keep your money local. If an area depends on the tourist industry, it only helps if your money stays there. 
and many sites I consulted in putting together this podcast, something stuck out to me. Many said, be a traveler, not a tourist. I agree wholeheartedly. Travel to be present rather than to cross places off a list. Step out of your comfort zone. Thank you so much for listening, and remember to dare carefully.